Hey, I'm Seth, and this is Radical Health. There's one aspect of healing that is very common out there. It's very important, and it happens to be the topic of today's show, and that is addiction recovery. When a drug addiction gets bad, it turns into dependency and abuse, and it starts to negatively affect the user and the people around them. If you feel that you are in an abusive relationship with a particular drug or substance, or even emotion or relationship, there is help out there, and I encourage you to seek it. There's a mantra in addiction recovery that says, you can't do it alone. And so luckily, there are groups out there, networks in every city. There's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous. There's groups for children and family of addicts. There's all types of support groups out there who have developed very clear tools and techniques to help us recognize these destructive patterns in ourselves, recognize what fuels them, and how we can get ourselves out of a cycle of harm. So today, I'm happy to introduce a friend of mine who's going to talk about his story, his relationship with alcohol. He breaks down the 12 steps and some tools and techniques that he has developed personally to help him stay on a healthy path. So I'm happy to introduce a conversation with my friend Andy. Thanks for listening. Hey, how's it going? Excellent. Thanks yeah. for thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to do this. Yeah. yeah, this is pretty cool. So you have a podcast. It's called Recovery Friends. Yes, we all, everybody has a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yours is really good, and I like the content because it's all about recovery. Yeah. And actually, as I was writing questions, I was wondering, do you prefer the term sobriety or recovery, or do you use the term sobriety or? Um. You know, it's funny because I, I, I thought about this recently. I tend to default to I'm sober. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are sober default to I'm in recovery. Mm. Which, I mean, if you ask me if, if you ask me if I'm in recovery, I'd definitely say yes, I'm in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't prefer either one. But okay. I tend to say I'm sober, I'm in sobriety, or... I don't know why. That's just like something, a word that I chose early on, and that's what yeah. I use. Um, a lot of people like to say I'm in recovery to like let people know that I'm recovered from 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 like active addiction mm. and active alcoholism. Because you could be sober but have never done drugs before. Exactly. Or you could also, I think there's there's like a like a lot of people in sobriety like to like categorize. Yeah. Uh, like you know, there's like. There's dry, I'm dry if you're dry. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's, it's, it's also kind of funny. If you say you're dry or somebody's dry, it means that they're just just not using and not incorporating any uh, tools into their life mm. to like overcome some of the isms that we have that, you know, make life hard to live and drive us to drink okay. and stuff like that. So it's like you're or white knuckling. People mm-hmm. say white knuckling. Yeah. You know, it's like whenever you're just like holding on to something to yeah. bear dear life, and your knuckles turn white. Yeah. Um, some people say clean. Um, I heard I heard clean was sort of a taboo term because yeah. it implies that if you're doing drugs, you're dirty. Some people choose not to use that and actively tell you, oh, you shouldn't say clean because it implies dirty. Yeah, I guess. How do you feel about that? I don't feel any way about it. Okay, cool. <laughs> you <Okay>. know? <laughs> um, so going back to the term in recovery versus sober, are you saying that in recovery is like an active, like it's a conscious form of 
of healing of I mean, from your addiction? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we say recovery in 12 steps, the 12-step universe, mm-hmm. uh, we mean you're, you've worked the steps and then you actively continue to work the steps, uh, the 12 steps uh, of whatever program. They, they have so many programs that uh, then incorporate the 12 steps into, um, you know, into their their path. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think so, so, and there's also this, um, no, there's the idea that like an, an active uh, alcoholic or somebody in active addiction um, suffers from um, an obsession of the mind. Mm. So it's like I have this this body that once I receive a mind altering substance uh, wants more, right? Um, and the only way to arrest that is to not use, right? Mm. You give it enough. As long as you don't put it in your body, it doesn't activate that. We call it the phenomenon of craving. Mm. Um, but then there's the there's the obsession of the mind. There's the they call it the peculiar mental twist, mm. uh, and it's like a two part illness, right? Mental and physical, uh, and it's that mind that no matter how many times I go through the process, no matter how many times I um, my bank account goes in the red, you know, no matter how many times. I manipulate money out of my parents, no matter how many times I blow up my life, right? I always find a reason or an excuse uh, to justify or to convince myself mm. to use or that to convince myself that maybe this time I'll just use a few. I'll just I'll just use this weekend and have fun. Right. Right. I'll just have fun this weekend and then boom, off to the races again. Cause what did I do? I activated that phenomenon of craving. Yeah. Right. So it's very psychological, like this game of recovery. Yeah. It's uh, you know, what they call it more moral psychology. <laughs> um uh, in, in, in the 12, the, the, the big book about, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll tell you what, time out, because I, I'm getting very AA-ish here. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so I should say this, like, I am, I am a member, um, of Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, you know, for, for, uh, anonymity purposes, I won't, I won't divulge my last name here. Um, and I will also say that, I don't speak for AA. Uh, you know, a lot. Of, this is my experience mm-hmm. uh, working the twelve steps and, and trying to live a sober life for nine and a half years. And uh, you know, some of it is opinion. A lot of it is opinion, mm-hmm. and uh, it's what's worked for me. Um, and a lot of it is is def- is definitely consistent. Uh, but I want to make sure that it's understood that I don't speak for the for any 12-step program. Absolutely. And if you listen to Andy's podcast, Recovery Friends, that's something that he, you know, lays out as a disclaimer in the beginning. Definitely recommend checking out Recovery Friends. Where can people find that, by the way? Um, So most podcast platforms, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, I use this, I use this app that just distributes it to like a bunch of different Mm -hmm. uh, platforms. I mean, we don't have a large audience, mm-hmm. uh, but I was I was looking the other day, and I have one. There's one episode that has like 400 uh, listens, so cool. that's like a benchmark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, wherever it's a small thing, and and it's something that I like that I that I found a very, you know, when I first got sober, 
I remember feeling like I couldn't connect with people. Mm. Not, I don't even know that I couldn't because it wasn't a lot of attempts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by the time I needed to get sober, it was um, it was me drinking at home, in bed a lot of times, alone, um, very depressed and suicidal, and you know all that. And uh, you know when I when I finally like got to the point where I had no choice but to go into like long term treatment, uh, but I I didn't feel like I was ever going to make any meaningful connections with people. Mm. You know I I I would mourn I would mourn the friendships of my youth. You know in high school and like how close we were and uh, and in my adult life just seemed very lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my first job at a grocery store it was uh, a very humble job i was stacking fruit at a grocery store mm-hmm. my first job out of treatment and my sponsor's girlfriend would sh- would shop at this grocery store and she would come through the uh, th- through the produce aisle and we would and we would talk about recovery and i remember those conversations feeling so magical, like mm-hmm. talking about like the process of what, you know, of, 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 of taking, taking in the, this like huge leap and, uh, and all the things that were being revealed to me at the time. And, and I, and those are the first like real, like conversations that I'd had that were, that were meaningful <laughs> in any form for, for a decade before that. I mean, honestly, there weren't many conversations, period. Yeah, you know, uh, when I say I was I was isolating and drinking alone, I legitimately was isolating oh, okay. and drinking yeah, alone. Yeah. I drank with my roommate, mm-hmm. uh, and we would talk about things. Uh, and and there were, but there's this this there's this other level of um, conversation. I feel we we call it the language of the heart. Mm. In recovery, what we do is we identify with each other. Right. Yeah. And it's a very powerful thing. You know, it's like you come in and you say, you know what? Um, I might, I did this horrible thing. And then somebody else says me too. Yeah. Right. Or not even that, like I have this horrible thing that I'm hiding Yeah. and somebody says, Hey, I did this horrible thing. And you go, shit, that's the same thing I did. Right. Right. And they're not carrying shame. Mm. And they and and they're walking with their head high. They're showing how um, to let go of it, almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and and instead of feeling like this, like unique, uniquely horrible human being, mm. you go, oh, we're all kind of the same. Yeah. So conversation seems like it's essential part to recovery and healing. One hundred percent. Yeah. We talk a lot about like synthetic knowledge. It's a part in the big book, and they, and I read that thing a lot with mm. other people, with other guys. Um, and I, I I got to thinking about like synthetic knowledge and and how like if I just read something, mm-hmm. right? Um, it doesn't it. What's the word I'm looking for? I, I, what's the example? The right example is what I'm looking for. It's like let's you say you can read about how to repair a bike, maybe exactly. But you, you don't know until you have the experiential knowledge. Right. And right? That's, I always think about the word understanding. Yeah. Because you can understand like intellectually how to fix a bike. But until you actually go through the process of doing it, that's when you're actually standing under the the building, basically. Yeah. 
So to to stand under, to put yourself in that position, experience is the knowledge. Or that's experience it. is the education. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think that's a less a lot a lot of what we talk talk about with with like with uh, alcoholism and, and and recovery too. So so there's like I could tell you I could tell you what heroin feels like. Mm-hmm. Man, you'll but you'll never but you don't know. Right. I could say it's euphoric. I could say it 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 makes every, every problem you that that is weighing you down disappear in an instant. So so that synthetic knowledge. That's synthetic for me because I've never done it. Yeah, I, I mean, and look, and look, this is my take on synthetic knowledge too. Like this is what I this is what I take from when I read the big book. Right. right. So like so I have experiential knowledge. Because I've done it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I should clarify that I've never done heroin. I've done every form of opiate except heroin. But you know what I'm saying? That, that, right, that, right. That's the that's the example. So then again, also with recovery, I can tell you mm-hmm. about the twelve steps and how they how they change your life. Yeah, I could tell you um, how looking inwardly and stop and and, and and looking at the worst parts of yourself and and how like. Uh, making amends to other people and admitting your faults to another man, mm-hmm. paying back all the money that you made, uh, trying to develop a connection with something greater than yourself. I could tell you how all of that is amazing and how it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And maybe you hear me and you go, that gives me hope, mm-hmm. but you don't know until you actually do it. Right. Totally. So yeah. I can't like intellectualize all this. It's, it's all about like taking action. <clears throat> that's be- I mean, and that's why, I'm having you on, you know, and that's why I want to bring on experts and people who are experienced in what they're talking about. Yeah. Cause then you, then you can, once you walk the walk, you can talk the talk. Yeah. And I'll say this, no expert here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's not use that, but you're experienced. You're nine and a half years into the recovery game. Yeah. By the way, when is your 10 year? Uh, so I, I got sober February 8th of 2012. Cool. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to call you. February eighth. Hey, if you remember, bro, you know, <laughs> give me a call, say say hello. I mean, it's 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 an interesting day, and uh, you know, every year that passes, I find myself weirdly depressed, hmm. uh, or just you know, it's just like you get very contemplative. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think also no matter how much I say I don't. I, uh, I'll place expectations on a number of years mm. and, and where I should be and how I should feel mm. um, and, and where I think like the things that I, the things that I think I should have by yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It's, it, it's good to, to uh, be, be reminded that that's what, that's not what it's about. It's more about the one day at a time, right? Well, 100% it's about staying present. Yeah, exactly. It's about taking, doing the next thing that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. It, but it's also hard, like, like, so for example, you could believe or be told a million times and you can believe it that having a million dollars isn't going to make you happy, right? You hear people say that all the time. Mm-hmm. You understand it intellectually, but s- secretly, you know, those million dollars are going to make you happy, right? Like underneath, <laughs> you're like, it's going to make me happy. If I, I get could buy million anything. Dollars, yeah, yeah. You know? So, so there's that like. It's actually kind of a cool letdown, right? Because it shows you that the uh, the com- the commodity doesn't fulfill you. The commodity isn't mm-hmm. going to like complete you. In this case, the year the years are the commodity. You know, right. they're the they're that benchmark that once once this happens, I'll yeah. be okay. Once yeah. blah blah blah, I'll be okay. Right. And then you know, achieving that and then finding out, oh, of course. 
you know, this isn't the answer. There's, there's no like pot of gold at the end of the rainbow after 10 years. There's not. And like I said, sometimes, sometimes I feel eternal, very grateful, you know, because I do get contemplative. Mm-hmm. You do get your friends, you know, saying, hey, man, congratulations. Uh, you know, you do go like to a meeting and get recognized for your year. Uh, sometimes if you go pick up a chip or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I feel very grateful. And it, and in some years, I feel like I feel a little depressed, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's just because recovery is, is up and down. Yeah. You know, life is too. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like life. Exactly. I shouldn't just say recovery. Life is up and down. Yeah. And sometimes that day catches me on a down. Yeah. You know? All right. Now, how do you feel when um, you're in a meeting and somebody else hits their tenure? How does that make you feel? Somebody else hits their tenure? I mean, I, I guess it depends. Um, I'm always, whenever I was early in recovery and I'd see somebody get 10 years, I thought that was an impossibility. Mm. Um, because, you know, I'm coming from a place where I can't put a few days together for a, for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Right. And to see somebody get 10 years is kind of um, overwhelming to think of. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's an early recovery. You it know? seems unattainable. It seems unattainable. It seems like over. It's it's overwhelming to a degree. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think nowadays, um, uh, I I generally feel happy for the person who's getting it. You know. Yeah. Um, I feel also weirdly validated to see that it's working. You yeah. Know? That the path that I chose is working for other people too. You know. Cool. And I'm also reminded that it works for other people too, because mm-hmm. um, as much as I'll go around saying this thing works, I'll often look at people and go, "Oh, he's not going to get it." Yeah, you know, uh, not proud to say that, you know, but but like seeing other people get it reminds me to go, "Bruh, like you were hopeless too." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you're a miracle also. No, uh, yeah, that's cool. And, and it shows you the experiential knowledge that that person has now. Like they experienced it. They went through it. Yeah. There's no theory about it. Yeah. And, and again, it's all, it's all an individual journey. Like that person did it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they're not speaking for AA or representing that structure as a, that person did it. Obviously they had the help. They had tools and everything. Yeah. We, we like to say nobody does it alone and, and, and that we can't do it alone. Oh, Okay. That's what I love about recovery groups mm-hmm. because I think that's like one of the most powerful things about it is the fellowship. Yeah. Is again, the connections that we make with other human beings. Yeah. The, because again, uh, the identifying, mm-hmm. right. The thing that removes the illusion of separateness, we feel connected to each other. Yeah. And, um, your listeners might've heard this before, but have you ever heard of that, um, that experiment um, is the experiment of the rats. Okay. Um, which experiment of the rats? Uh, yeah, out of the million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so there's like this, there was this experiment. The guy puts a rat in a cage and he has a feeder in the cage. And in the feeder, he puts cocaine. And the rat, once he realizes that this water has an effect, he keeps going back to it like crazy until he dies. Yeah. Right. And the conclusion there is that, you know, give the rat cocaine, he'll get addicted and kill himself. Right. And that the cocaine 
is the thing that we need to keep away from the rat or whatever, right? Yeah. The cocaine's mm-hmm. the problem. So then this other guy came along, I think later, saw this experiment and thought it was flawed and thought he'd try it differently. Um, he takes a, a cage, a, a large cage, a larger cage this time, and he places, I don't know how many, 10 rats maybe? A community of rats. A community of rats. And this time he has two feeders, right? And in the cage he has like, you know, a little water pool and some, you know, some stuff to recreate their environment. Yep. <laughs> and two feeders, one has cocaine water, the other one doesn't. And in this environment, the rats hardly ever touch the cocaine water. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. And so how do humans take that study and apply it to our world? Well, the conclusion was, right, is like that the opposite of addiction isn't ab- isn't like absence of drugs. Yeah, isn't exactly it, it the 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 opposite of addiction is connection. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty pretty powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. So that seems like a a, a core tenet of of AA is the human connection part. For sure. 100%. We call it depth and weight. Um, what are the, can you explain those terms? Well, it's very hard for me to explain it, but so, so, and, and this is kind of, un, I wouldn't say unique to, uh, to, to like, uh, alcoholics and addicts. But the thing is, is like, you know, when somebody's consumed with addiction, there's very little things, if any, that are powerful enough to make a, an, to make me stop. Yeah. Right. Or, or to hold my attention. You know, if, if my mom crying as I'm walking out the door, begging me not to leave, you know, it hurts, you know, but Hey, I got to get loaded. Right. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it'll, it'll interest me. It'll, it'll get me, it'll get my attention, but it won't hold it. You know, the, uh, the fear of where my life was heading you know, it would catch my, it would grab my attention, but it wouldn't hold it. Hmm. So know? is that like the depth of? Well, so this is, this is not, so this is more the depth of like, of the, of one alcoholic working with another alcoholic. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking mm-hmm. about like, you know, once an understanding is made that this person is like me and understands me, mm. but somehow is sober, right? Yeah. Like that interests me and it holds me because if we are because i'm also making that i'm also making that connection with you you know yeah yeah. and now granted like even that's not enough to hold me forever i have to take action yeah you know yeah there's there's a lot involved in it so so that's the one of the biggest components is that first connection you make with somebody who you identify with yeah and you go oh man i'm not alone yeah and i think we can do that in all aspects of healing whether it's food or drugs or, you know, injury, it's like the more people we have to kind of help us and connect with and talk to, the easier it's going to be. Yeah. So how far along the recovery process did you start your podcast? Because it seems like you said you learned that a conversation with another person really helped and it was like you never really had those conversations before. So when did you realize like, oh, I could like record these conversations and put them out there? So I guess, so I got sober in 2012 um, and I would take these bike rides uh, and this is around the same time. So I would, I would like on my days off, I would just take these long, long bike rides. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I'd put some headphones on and I would listen to like Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> I would listen to, uh, to uh, this other podcaster I really like is Duncan Trussell. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. Uh, I would listen to a lot of like Ram Dass lectures. Yeah. Uh, Alan Watts. That's what we connected on, I think, when, yeah. I, when I came in and we met. We had a, a mutual interest in Alan Watts and yeah. Ram Dass. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and like speakers, <laughs> like long format like yeah, yeah, podcasts and for stuff. For sure. And I just, so I would just put them on and I would ride forever. You know, and, and this was actually, I mean, I mean, Rogan had been on for three, four years by that point, but he wasn't that big. He wasn't that Right, right. Big. He's not where he was now. Yeah. And, uh, but I remember thinking, man, this is fucking nice. And I was like, these are three hour long conversations yeah. and they're just free form. Yep. I remember thinking like, this is great. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And so like, I would have these conversations at the, you know, and, and, and these, the conversations with my, with my sponsor's girlfriend were like, they, they just stuck out to me because one, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like newly sober. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I have like, I'm, and then like she's just she's she's being so kind yeah. to sit there and have a conversation with me about about recovery, the most important thing that was going on in my life. They, those those conversations stuck out, but I was also having those conversations with many other people that were going through the same thing with me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, going to meetings and hearing people because that's what you go to. You go to a meeting, somebody shares their experience. And then in the the point of that is again, so that the newcomer, me at that time, can go, Oh yeah, I'm just like this person. I can heal too. Yeah. I, th- this sounds, you know, this sounds like something I can do as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh and I remember thinking, man, somebody should definitely put this into some fo- podcast form. Yeah. And so I went. And I bought a microphone and an interface, and um, my my roommate and I, and then I had another buddy of mine who kind of knew how to work GarageBand. Uh, we were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna make this podcast. It's gonna be cool." Wait, can I ask how many years into recovery was this? This was about two. Okay, about two years into recovery. Okay, cool. And at this point, I'm still. At this point, I'm really ramping up like how I'm a little bit fanatical, if I'm not. You're pretty psyched on on the 12 steps and stuff like uh, that? Yeah, because my life was like radically changing. Yeah. So like the time I'm having these conversations is, is about a year prior to when I finally get the get the, the, the gumption to uh, go buy the mic set up and everything. Yeah, and yeah. So we set it up. We, we have a friend over. I even record a couple of my buddies a few times, like test trial runs and- I got, I got fearful, Mm. you know, I got fearful. I started thinking like, this isn't going to be looked upon favorably by my community. Mm. And because there is like, so there's a tradition and it's called, uh, and it's something about like keeping anonymity at the level of press, radio and film, Mm. uh, that the principle, one of the biggest principles of, of, of our, um, community is anonymity and the, you know, people have different opinions about it, but there, there's, you know, there are, there are these, these traditions that were created over years that kind of hold our, our, our groups together and keep AA kind of running. And they're based on experience mm-hmm. and things that have happened and things that have gone awry and things that, and things have been put in place, you know, to, to, to ensure, you know, the, the health of Alcoholics Anonymous so that people who want to come in and get sober can find AA. Yeah. So I had all these like 
fears about, you know, people going, this is going against the rules, Andy. <laughs> did you ever ask anybody in your group about it? Um, I think, I mean, I did talk to some people about it and I found that most people, but the thing also is I was talking to people who were also like not very experienced. So I was running, th- I was running it by them and they were like, I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. You know? And, uh, so for whatever reason I got fearful and I, and I kind of just stopped, you know, also feeling th- there was the feeling of like, who am I to start a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, who am I, who do I think I am? You right, know? Yeah. I don't have followers. Yeah. yeah like who, do, like people are going to laugh. They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so those fears, right. Those, I, I, and, and, as ridiculous and silly as they sound, you know, they were there. Totally. And they kind of paralyzed me for a minute. And uh, and I kind of just put it on the back burner and always thinking like, ah, this is something that I'll do at some point. Okay. Uh, fast forward, I mean, maybe three years ago, four years ago, three, four years ago. So it was like two years sober and then it was another three, three four years before I actually said screw it i'm just gonna record one and see what happens cool and release it sweet so yeah it took took you a few years once you once you bought the gear and tried to start uh took you a few years to finally go no i'm doing this this is right i feel good about this let's just have a conversation and yeah see where see where this goes and i did run it by people cool like 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 this time i was like i said i was like well i might as well if I talk about this fear to people, you know, mm-hmm. so I ran, I ran it by people who I thought would not have a, a, a good opinion about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was mixed, mixed, uh, reviews about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I love doing it. It's, honestly, it's very cool to do and it's very healing for me. Well, so that's, that's really interesting because, you know, this podcast is called radical health and, yeah. And we're, we're talking about healing. I think, you know, recovery and sobriety is a huge part of healing. And it seems like the conversation is a central part of that, that connecting to others is a central part of that. So it, it, it's it's cool that the podcast might be like a really nice tool for you in your recovery journey. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a privilege or it's a, what's a, the other word uh, that, that, that not many people have, like a podcast yeah. itself. Right. Uh, but, but recovery in general, this is... When I, so when it's one alcoholic talking with another one, it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, and 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 that's what that's what I, that's what the twelve steps are. It's like, you know, I've been through this. Let me take you through it. Let's meet once a week. Yeah, I'll t- uh, let's read this book. We'll talk about the the you know step one, step two. We'll we we'll 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 do a step four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and I can go through each one and, and talk about. I, I'll I'll do that. Um, and just kind of talk about how it maybe heals for me or it healed me. Cool. So I think you, know, you, you hear people say a lot and, and I agree, which is a very, it's a t- tough pill to swallow. <laughs> but um, for anybody who is like um, a chronic alcoholic and, and, and drug addict, um, you know, you hear a lot about having to hit rock bottom. Right. And I think that there, with, with with what we know, and the information that we can we can provide now, the bottom can be raised, mm-hmm. so to speak, and it doesn't have to be, you don't it doesn't have to be uh, necessarily under the bridge. 
it'll be different for everybody too. It is very different for everybody, right? And and that's why a lot of times it's not, it's important for me not to compare my, my my insides to your outsides, you know, because because it's it's really about how we feel. And it's a really about like the disconnection that we have to, to, you know, I'm going to say the word God in here. So great uh, to God um, and to other human beings. And quick caveat for any listeners who quote unquote, don't believe in God, just define God as the universe for now. That's been my working definition that helped me understand what God is for myself. So if you're like, I don't like that term. It makes me feel weird. I don't believe in that. Just think of God as the universe, all that there is. Yeah. And that's kind of what, you know, that's kind of where I started. Yeah. And I mean, and honestly, like, I don't know that it, it has a, my my conception of God, which is a step we'll talk about, um, has evolved, but it's still very simple. And uh, I just have to believe really that it, that I'm not God, <laughs> right. first and foremost. Uh, so step one, right? It's it's admitting defeat. Mm admitting defeat and and unfortunately a lot of times we have to be pretty well defeated to get to that point to admit defeat right? yeah step one is i'm powerless over alcohol okay um and when i looked at my life i i really couldn't disagree you know i couldn't stay away from it no matter how hard i tried and that's just the honest truth yeah right on my own no matter how many different attempts and how much I threw at it, I never could stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Even though there was a long time of my active addiction where I knew I had to. Um, and then the second one is once I put it in my body, I'm powerless against how much I'm going to put in my body. So I never knew where where that, that was going to lead me. Mm. And it didn't always lead me to a crack house. You know, yeah. sometimes I went home. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I blacked out and drove home. Oof. So, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I stayed up all night and woke up in places that I didn't want to wake up in, Yeah, you know? Uh, so I never knew exactly what was going to happen. Like gotcha. if I went out and so, so powerless, right? I had to give up the idea that I was going to be able to control and enjoy my alcohols and alcoholic drugs. There was no way I was going to do that. Right. I couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. And if I was trying to control it, I couldn't enjoy it. Yeah. Right. There was no enjoying too. <laughs> so, but then also I had to give up the idea that I on my own could control my life. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's like when you say that, it, it feels disempowering to a sense. Like, and I think people can go, like, oh man, that's just, you know, I don't believe that. Right. Um, and I get that. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean is, you know, like I have these, um, tendencies that um left unchecked um are very selfish and self-centered and are very me-centric I, I see the world from from my perspective why because i'm seeing it through these eyes yeah right mm -hmm. so this makes sense that i only see the world through these eyes and i think that the world kind of revolves around me right and i'm very selfish and i need to get what i what i want when when i want it mm. Right. Um, so I try to control my environment. I try to control the people around me. Now, it may not be like I'm yelling at you to fucking do what I want you to do. It's a lot of times it's, hey, man, I'm, I'm really nice. You know, 
you've met me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm easy to talk to. And so that's kind of my tool to manipulate. That's my tool. Interesting. That's my tool to get what I want. Now, I'm not always consciously doing this, mm-hmm. but it's just the just how I am, right? That that's the way that that's the way I navigate through the world. And a lot of times me trying to control the show, it doesn't usually go the way I want it to go. I can't control the world, basically, yeah. is what I'm saying, right? Um, and that, and, and the principle of letting go is like a big one for mm. me. It's like, let go control. Have faith, right? In what? I don't know, but just tr- stop trying to control everything. Yeah. And I have found that that principle is super effective at life just going a whole lot smoother than it would, than it does whenever I'm trying to like, make sure that everybody's happy or that everybody likes right, me right. or that everybody's doing what I want them to do, you know? And I, and I, so I'm powerless over alcohol. My life is unmanageable. My life is unmanageable because every time I try to manage it, it leads me back to alcohol mm. because whenever I try to control it, I usually find it objectionable. I get depressed. I get angry. I get resentful. All those feelings lead yeah. me back to the drink. So I'm waving the white flag. And that's the first time that I've actually in a long time, uh, humbled myself mm-hmm. and said, Hey, I can't do this. Yeah. Right. And that's very powerful. Mm. And until you have that experience, right. Until I honestly believe, Hey, I can't do this alone. The rest of the steps are going to seem like a fucking mount mountain. And I, and I'm really never going to really buy, buy into them. So step one is, um, is a prerequisite. Yeah. Surrender is a prerequisite. I'm letting go. I'm giving up. I'm sorry. I'm letting go of the wheel. I'm stop. I'm, I'm, I'm like this with, with this one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a million other things in my life at this point in my recovery, you know, day, day one <laughs> that I'm still trying to control. Yeah. I'm still trying to hold on to all kind of old ideas and, 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 and ways. Uh, but in this one instance, and this is how powerful that principle is. I can take one thing in my life and go, ah, I let go control. And mm-hmm. boom, I have, a, I have a, a spiritual awakening of sorts. Something opens up. Yeah, something opens up, exactly. So step one, right? Surrender. Ah, I'm at the worst. I'm in the worst spot of my life. Uh, okay, I might as well do these steps, right? And there's this window, you know, and my friend Anthony likes to say, I've got this window when I first come in where I'm like, yes, I can't do it alone, but it's rapidly closing, Okay. right? It's closing rapidly. If I don't take action quickly, it's going to close and then I'll start going, you know what? This ain't so bad. Yeah. You know, you know, maybe I was overreacting a few, a week ago where yeah. I was like, I'm a surrender. It's that window like, of inspiration. You gotta, you gotta just go for it. You have to take the opportunity, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's like the universe presents me with doors. There's this, this web, right? Of things. And it's being orchestrated by something that I don't even know how to understand it. And it goes here. This is a, a path that if you take, and then if, if I don't take it and it closes, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be more coming ahead. Right. 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 Uh, that wasn't the only path, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that, and so like, that's not the only window, but also I don't know that I'm going to get another window. Um, you, uh, because to get to that point of desperation where I'm going, yes, I'm willing to do this every time takes a, takes a lot of pain Yeah. for an alcoholic and an addict. So step two is, okay, I can't do it. Step two is came to believe in a power greater than ourselves. You start talking about that. People have a lot of hangups. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I like to define it as either nature or the universe, because that's what helped me. I was a devout atheist. Yeah. That's kind of an oxymoron. But I was like a staunch, proud atheist because I could rationalize the non-existence of God. I really was just fighting against the Christian church. I saw what they were doing, and I was like, this is crazy. I don't, you know, all the wars that are fought in, in the name of God, I was like, that, that's not God. Yeah. So this would help me get around to the conception of God as saying, just call it nature or the universe. So if you sub that out, everything makes sense. It does, because like, you can't look at the universe. You can't look at nature and go, what the fuck yeah. is going on here? Yeah. This is wild yeah and like conceivable in a way yeah Look at the stars <laughs> and so yeah. so clearly all this is a power greater than me oh yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying totally because i'm only just a small part of this yep infinite thing mm -hmm. so clearly this is a power so you could start there and really honestly you don't have to move any further than that that's enough i think yeah like like we talk about belief in god and a power in ourselves and how it evolves and it develops but like you know that to, that's enough and, 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 you know, there are people in recovery who still believe, who still are atheists. Yeah. Decades in the program. So it's, you don't have to believe in, a, in God. It's just also believe that, that there is something greater than you. And totally. that, and that you, obviously that you're not God, right? And that's a very important step, it seems, because it's the second one. It's very early in the 12, yeah. 12 steps. And it goes along with the idea that, like, I can't control everything. Right. <laughs> you okay. know? That my life is unmanageable. Because if you think you control it, try controlling nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible, <laughs> right? A lot of people say, choose to believe that, like, the group conscience is, yeah. is a power greater than themselves. Like, cool. AA as a whole is a power greater than me. Totally. The, that principle for me so was, was, was extremely important because... So I, I was raised in a cult until I was five. Interesting. Um, weird shit happened in the cult. <laughs> um, you know, my, uh, my parents weren't super religious, uh, uh, you know, through the rest of my childhood. But there was a lot of, there was, there was, there was a lot of Jesus and God. Uh, not, and I didn't mind it. Um, but I always had that weird, like, man, I'm, like, thing about being in a cult, knowing that weird things happen. So, like... Um, and then as I got older, you know, I started developing this like this idea like like you about like about, you know, the Catholic Church and, and you know, and all the crazy things that, that have been done in the name of God, too. You know, yeah. all those. So I tried to go to church in my early 20s. <laughs> I did like a whole like got saved thing. Mm -hmm. uh, went to church for six months. I was like, I got really involved. <laughs> And uh, and then left with a res like with with a bad a, a taste in my mouth from yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there was that you know part of me that was kind of like eh, man screw these people. Uh, and then and then those six months I had stayed sober. I had this sneaking suspicion that if I were to get sober, that something like God was going to have to be part of it. Mm. So every time I try to get sober, I'd be like I, I'd go well, but I I can't go back. To that yeah and i thought i thought that that was the only option religion or that specific religion okay you know what i mean like and, and so it's like old ideas you know we talk about a lot about having to set aside our old ideas mm -hmm. and set aside what we think we know yeah like i had rejected this old idea of god but i was still car carrying him with me yeah 
You know, I didn't know that if I had, if I wanted to form a relationship with God, I did, it didn't have to be with that old idea of God that I, that I had, that I had rejected long ago, but I was still carrying them with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can evolve. Yeah. It it had, it, it was just like, it still, it was in the back of my head telling me, well, you know, you're going to hell or, or, or if you, you know, you know what I mean? Like if you don't believe this, you're like, it was still there. Interesting. It, like quiet, but there. Right. Yeah. And so, so the idea of God sounded horrible because I thought it had to be this God. Yeah. Uh, but in Alcoholics Anonymous, they told me I could have a God of my own conception. Beautiful. And I went, what? And that really did just bring down the wall for me, mm-hmm. right? And I could start start very simply. I, I thought that I had to have a defined idea of what my God was. Well, my God is the Buddhist and whatever the fuck, right? I yeah. had to. I, I, I and again, what am I trying to do there? I'm trying to control. Mm. I'm trying to control God. You're and you're attached to your old conceptions of it exactly right but i still want to have like a firm grasp on what god is yeah right and the truth about it is is that god really comes to me whenever i say i don't know what god is Mm, nice you know what i mean uh so so that principle in in aa was just like your own conception and i and you would talk and you talk to anybody with, with with time and they'll and they'll still say i don't know what god who god is i don't know what yeah but is it power greater than yourself? That seems to be the. It's very. That's very simple. Yeah. The only thing is that, like, what happens is that the word God gets used a lot. Right. Uh, and there's old language because it's an old, you know, program that was like we still read the same book that was written in 1939. Okay. You know, so the language in it can be a little off-putting. I tell people to like take it with it to take it. And, and not place so much value on the words that we're talking about here and that we can replace words. Like, you know, if it says God, use universe. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, some people can't get past the language. Right. Step three is about God, too. What's step three? Step three is turn my, li- um, my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Okay. So it's more about surrendering, not just knowing that there's a god. Yeah, but it's actually, actually actively. going actively surrendering. And and so like that when you when you say that you're like, "Well, how do I do that?" Yeah, I don't how know. How do yeah. how do I understand what God's will is? Yeah. You know, that's almost impossible. Right. I'm here, right? The universe has led me here. I'm in the middle of this process of the 12 steps. You know, maybe God's will is for me to come finish this process. Mm. It's it can be that simple. Right? By this point, I'm working with a sponsor. Um, so I go, okay, so this is the person that's been placed in front of me. Um, maybe since I've been managing my whole life, you know, if, if I were to like hire a, 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 an assistant to manage my life, my, manage my affairs, right? Mm-hmm. And she kept like uh, letting my bank, paying my bills, not not transferring money over, letting my bank accounts go in the red, not paying my parking tickets. Yeah. Right? If she, shitty assistant. If she, I would fire her. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> right? So, uh, and make, so up until this point, that's, that's been my job. Right. <laughs> I've right. been the, 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 so, so 
not that I'm going to hand my finances over to my sponsor. That's not a thing. But but it's also it's like in life in general, like maybe I can I'm ultimately going to make the decision. But maybe just maybe before I take a, like a, 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 a big action, mm-hmm. maybe run it by somebody. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe go, Hey, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I'm thinking about marrying this chick I met in, in rehab. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> you know, you might offer some really good perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because what if I'm blinded, yeah. I'm blinded by selfishness and self-centeredness. I'm blinded by what I want. Right. 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 I, I see cute girls sober. We're both so passionate about this. Right. We're going to stay sober and, and happy forever. Yeah. You see, uh, you know, infatuation, early, lust, maybe, yeah, um, a little bit of delusion, <laughs> yeah, because you know? yeah. uh, in early recovery, because the thing about it is, is that when you live your life um, living on instant gratification, mm. and then you remove the thing that gives you instant gratification, the mind still thinks that life works that way. You have to like rewire your whole brain. Yeah. The mind still thinks that, oh yeah, yeah, this is a, so you're still, I was still taking actions in early recovery based on that. Like, like there's an easy button Uh, that I can just hit and and everything is better, right? That's drugs and alcohol. uh, You know, I've been conditioned to to think that life is like that. I've conditioned myself, right? So I still have all these ideas of how the world works. It's important that maybe like, you know, I involve the people that got that the universe has put in my life, right? And and take this path that tells me I'm going to have a spiritual awakening. So that's step three: taking the active role in letting God, yeah, run take, your, r- r- manage your life. Okay, cool. Basically. But then you were talking about letting a sponsor also help with that. So how does the human interaction fit in? Well, again, if, if I believe that if I believe that God is everything. And I believe that, like, you know, and this is also my personal belief, I think. Again, a, a, I'm not speaking for AA. But I believe that, I believe you're in my life right now for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it, it's the principle of doing the thing that's in front of me, trusting that the universe has a better idea of which direction to take than I do. Cool. And, and I, I want to take apart the word will, because you're talking about God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh English is a Germanic language, uh-huh. and in German, the word will, or they pronounce it will, but it's W-I-L-L, uh-huh. means want. Will. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was in Germany, 16 years old, German exchange trip, uh-huh. getting drunk for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I ordered 151 at some bar, and then the, to, to the female bartender, and she tells like the guy pouring drinks, 151. He pours it, and he goes, will will das 151. Like, who wants the 151? Like, uh-huh. who do I give this to? And so I'll always remember that, like, will means want. Will is want in the Germanic language. And that's really what kind of will means. So, like, God's will is, like, what does God want? What does God, what does nature want? Oh, yeah. Does nature want you to be fucked up all the time? Does nature want you to be a healthy human? Well, nature wants me in harmony with it. Exactly. Right. It's really, yeah, that's, 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 I like that, you know? So ultimately it's like, what's going to put, bring me in, in better harmony with, with nature, with yeah. the world, with mm-hmm. the universe, right? With those about me. Yeah. Uh, and, and the 12 steps enable that, right? Mm-hmm. Because first I have to clear out all the shit that's been building up for years, right? Yeah. 
So then, all right, I'm gonna make a decision because the next thing is, is like I I launch into action, which is like I take it, it, which is a very long, it's pretty long inventory of yeah. my life, written. Is this still part step three? This is four. Oh, this is number four. Okay. This is step four. Uh, so so I look back on my life, um, and it enables me what this the way it's structured enables me to see the truth and because i i i i come into sobriety incredibly delusional right uh about things right because i don't like to think that i am a uh deadbeat son (laughs) i don't i don't want to believe that yeah you know um i don't want to believe that i was an abusive boyfriend right so I tell myself these things, and and, and 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 even in these situations, I'm behaving this way, but I don't, I'm not honest with myself about it, and it becomes a thing that I truly have have told myself, and I believe right. that I believe, like I was talking about earlier, I believe that I was really a nice guy who just was was humble and uh, and loved everybody right and that like I just needed to get rid of this pesky alcohol and once uh, once I remove the alcohol I'm gonna be the man the 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 the, uh, the hero of the movie right um, when I get sober I realize alcohol was just a symptom yeah right yeah the true the true thing was that I was selfish and self-centered and then so step four is about taking the things you might have been delusional about, but then actually being honest and writing them on paper. Yeah. And then you can look at them. Well, yeah, th- th- that's super powerful. There's something that happens in the act of taking it from brain mm-hmm. and writing it out on paper, right? Yeah. There's something about the, that action. There's something about that action like as it's going down, and then also once it's there, it sits there. It's, it's still there. You, it's you staring can't, you in the face. You can't replace that thought with another thought. Nah, that's it. Or replace that with some drugs. It's like, no, that paper is still going to be there. You have to fucking light it on fire to make it disappear. Yeah. But it's but that but reality is still going to be there. Yeah. Your past is written in the Akashic Record. And it's the first time that I've processed it in my mind, too. Because, look, so there were so uh, uh, there, there are these things that... Whenever I got sober, I was excre- extremely ashamed about too, right? Mm-hmm. These things that like I couldn't lie to myself about that I knew that I had done and I knew that they were selfish and that I like there was a lot of things that I was like completely fooling myself about, but there were other things that were like you know just that I felt were horrible that I did yeah. and that you know the thought of them drove me to drink. I couldn't even bear holding them in my consciousness for longer than a second oh shit right that's real and i have to write them down yeah i have to write them down in step four um but the process of it makes it very easy to just do one step at a time right so yeah so and so you're writing it down with the prospect of like reading it in step five to somebody else Right, and if you tr- if you start your recovery process with writing things down, maybe that's that's putting the cart before the horse because you haven't done the previous prerequisites of getting there. That's why there's it, steps. That's why exactly right. Yeah. First, I have to surrender and believe that I'm fucked because <laughs> because if I'm don't believe that I'm fucked, writing these things down on paper, I'm not gonna do it. Right. You yeah. I mean? So so cool. It's an it's an incremental. 
Exactly. Uh, There's a reason why they're in order. Yeah. Um, so step four is kind of like, and then, and then, and there's an order in which you write it. Right. So it's like, so a lot of times the people I'm mad at, right. So we talk, so there's a resentment in part of the inventory where mm-hmm. I write, um, I'm pissed off at Seth Yeah. because, and then, so you write Seth and then the next column you write, why? Well, you know, he told everybody I was a bad bike mechanic <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then the next column is, what does that affect? Okay. It affects my pride. Mm. It affects my um, self-esteem. Mm. It affects my ego, which I think all those are related, right? Um, it affects my pocketbook. Yeah. Hurts my, your business. Yeah. Uh, my security. Um, my, my personal relationships, it affects to a certain degree. Yes, it allows you to take stock and be honest and right. So, like, yeah. what wh- what about what you said is wh- where where does the fear come up? And in all those those areas, right? Pocketbook, uh, even my even my sexual relationships, right? Because if you're out there, like you know, spitting on my name, maybe it comes back to me and people, you know, whatever. It affects everything, right? Yeah, so, yeah everything. So that's one, two, and three. Those are the first three columns, and then the fourth column. Where was I at fault? Mm. Maybe there's a reason why I said you're a bad mechanic. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And there probably is, right? I probably was overlooked something. I was probably in a rush. Yeah. I wasn't being thorough in my work and I wasn't paying attention. I was whatever it was, right? Or um it could be maybe I was talking shit about you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, if I'm honest, like I go like, "Well, you know what? I was talking shit about Seth." And maybe he found out or he found out or, or even if, even if you didn't find out, where am I at fault? Dude, I talk shit about that guy all the time. Who the fuck am I kidding? Right? <laughs> like, it's like, I, 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 I eliminate all the previous columns, right? Yeah. And I just look at myself. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's a cool structure of step four because just writing down, you know, Seth said this, it doesn't get to the heart of what you did exactly and the only way that i'm gonna heal the only the the, if if you're the problem then i'm fucked because i can't do anything about you yeah right yeah if i'm the problem you can fix i can I, i can work with that yeah so i can take all these reasons and excuses for for why i'm the way i am and why i do the thing i do and use them and fucking use them till i run my life into the ground mm-hmm. right or i could take ownership for the things that i do yeah even if you were wrong in talking shit about my mechanic work right that doesn't matter yeah that's besides the point mm-hmm. that that whatever you know when you know what what's great about that is that it 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 brought up some things that I need to look at. Totally. So, so fourth step is that I start looking at my life and myself. Okay, right? cool. I, I do that. I do a fear inventory and I look at all the areas of where fear has been affecting my life Yeah. and how I behave whenever I'm fearful, if I'm relying on, on myself mm-hmm. uh, and then how I behave uh, whenever these fears come up or how, if I'm relying on HP, higher power, mm. right? And, and to me, it seems like anybody can use these steps. Oh, you know, if it yeah. doesn't have to be alcohol, it could be if you're addicted to food or if you're addicted to relationships or sex or or TV. Even I mean, I, I don't know. Like it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't have to be addiction. 
I think you could you could use these steps to uh the to just take incredibly stock and incredibly useful for anybody who wants to work them. It's like a it's like a mirror that that, yeah. that you can hold up to yourself. But if I wouldn't have run my life into the ground, my ego wouldn't allow wouldn't have allowed me to do go through this process. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, right? I because so I'm not here to say, still be in control a little bit. Yeah, I'm not here to say exactly. I still need to hold on to the illusion that I'm the 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 hero of my movie. Mm. You know, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not here to say that I'm some kind of virtuous person that you know does this work and looks itself. And uh, I can't I can't really say that, right? It's I squandered a lot of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did some things I'm not proud of. Yeah. Uh, my life got unbearable, mm. and I was left with little choice. What a blessing. Yeah, because that opens the door, man. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Well, I, what a blessing. I wouldn't say that I would do it all the same because there are people that were hurt along the way. Right. But I'm glad, I'm almost, I'm grateful for that narc, dark night of the soul that I had Yeah. Uh, that propelled me forward and, 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 and gave me that window, Yep. right? And gave me the willingness to take, to take advantage of that window. Yeah. And in uh, my life hasn't been the same ever since. Step five, read this, read this to another person. Okay. So, and then share your past. Exactly. And also, so there's a fear, there's a resentment, there's the fears, there's the sex inventory. So I inventory all my, all my uh, sexual relationships or romantic relationships, or just, uh, we call it the sex inventory. and, And it is about like sexual relationships and how, uh, selfishness and self-centeredness uh, manifest in those relationships, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then at the end we do a um, nooks and crannies because and, and the things that like you know those things that whenever I would think about, uh, I I I couldn't hold in my consciousness for a, a second, mm-hmm. right? So at this point, fourth step, I'm writing them down. Fifth step, somehow, some way, I am able to. <laughs> Tell another human being about it. Yeah. Which already is a miracle. Yeah. Into step five, that's already a miracle because how long does it take to get to step five? Um and is it if is it different for everybody? It is. Um, you know, it took me a month to finally sit down and write my four step because okay. it was my ego was fighting me every step of the way. It was painful to 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 sit down and do it and, yeah, and, and yeah. not have you know. And then like reading, you know, my sponsor would come to the treat. I was in a long-term treatment center. So uh, he would come once or twice a week. We would read for an hour. Okay. So, and, and we, and that's how we do it. We go along the book. So it, t- it took probably like three months mm-hmm. to get to fifth, to the fifth step, I would say. Okay. And, and uh, again, first time I ever like am that vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that open. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like teaching you like emotional health at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So all this is like, all of this process is teaching me how to live. Yeah. In a healthy way. Cool. You know, and have healthy relationships. Beautiful. Um, You know, then six and seven are, 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 are um, you work them kind of quickly because like six is like, uh, became ready to have all these defects of character because like you make a, a, a list of defects of character, um, whenever you do a four step. Uh, so it's like, um, became ready to have all these defects of character removed. It's basically, okay. so it's like, 
I don't even really know exactly how to work that step in general, if I'm honest. You know, I think that six and, and then seven is like, ask God to remove them. Okay. So those are like, we, you work them really quickly. You know, okay, you, say, cool. you, you, you say you're ready. You, you, there's a specific prayer that you say. Uh, it's boom, boom. But I think the principle of that is that like, I am, I am acknowledging that this is not going to, going to be something that is magically removed from me. Yeah. It's that this is like, they're going to, this will pop up mm-hmm. again. Like my, um, my lust <laughs> is going to give me problems in the future. So like I, I, I acknowledge and recognize that this is going to take time and work and that if it pops up again, I'm not, it's, it's okay. Cool. So more honesty, but maybe less grueling than the, the first yeah. five. And they're quick, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I do believe that six and seven um, are basically, they encapsulate all the, all the steps that I continue to wear at work for the rest of my life. Cool. Because character defects don't disappear. Okay. Um, then step eight and nine. So eight is I make a list, right? Based on this fourth step of all the people. Like, cause once I look at all the people that I was resentful at mm-hmm. and I look at where I'm at fault, I realize, oh shit, I probably should make amends to the, this guy. Mm-hmm. I should probably make amends to this person. And the sex inventory. Oh yeah. That ex that I was really kind of like mentally abusive to, you know, Depending on on on, on, on uh, the situation, you don't always run to the ex girlfriend and make amends. Right. Uh, I should make amends to her, and then oh oh, this thing, this shitty thing I did that I was like that uh, beating myself up for for years to this person. This person uh, deserves an amends. So you make an amends list, write out blah blah blah, uh, and on st- in step nine you go out and you make those amends one at a time. Cool. Uh, and this process is, I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful. I imagine it's really hard to kind of be like, oh, I'm about to have a really tough conversation. Like I heard this person, da, 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 yeah. but, but then again, the process of conversation yeah. and being honest and being maybe sorry, yeah. you know, and vocalizing that. And vocalizing <laughs> it and not just being sorry, but, but being willing to make it right. Okay. You know, and are, do they do? Does AA tell you, give you techniques about how to do that? Yes. One, it it says don't say sorry. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, well, we say that. I don't know if the, the I'm big, learning so much right now. Yeah, I don't know, if like, <laughs> it, because you know how many times did I say I'm sorry and I didn't, and, and it, it it was meaningless. Right, right. right. Um, it's more, you know, Seth. I uh, I was wasn't very thorough when i worked on your bike mm-hmm. and uh i left i didn't tighten that screw mm-hmm. you could have been hurt and you don't deserve that mm. um, you deserve a mechanic who's gonna be thorough and take this job seriously because you know this is a serious thing you're getting on a machine you're going down the road your with cars you're yeah. safe you don't deserve that how can i make this right Cool. So asking the person, letting yeah. them speak. Exactly. And also it's like, you know, maybe if I owe you money, right? Yeah. I'll go and and look here, I wanna I wanna give you the money back for the repair because obviously I didn't do it right. Cool. That's an immense. And then go, and is there anything else that I left out? 
And what can I do to make it right? And whatever you say, as long as it's not go stab your mother. <laughs> or stab yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or something crazy. And, and, and again, I am not to be the judge of, of the validity of what you tell me. I go, okay. If I think it's a little crazy, I'll say, uh, maybe I'll talk to my sponsor about it before I say, screw you. Right, right. Um, so you go about like that and you go one by one. Wow. Um, and also, you know, it's like, it's incredibly healing to do that for yourself, but it's also super healing for the other person. I imagine that, yeah. You know? Um, and a lot of times you find that it, it, it's it's even more healing for them. And you're repairing relationships. Totally. You know, broken relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful. That does seem like a very powerful step. It is. That's it cool. Is. It is. What's the next one? So 10 is um, continue to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. So it's just continuing to be thoughtful, continuing to look at where my my character defects maybe uh, create conflict in my life or in the, mm. with the people around me. Mm. Um, it's also um, to, to look at where I'm doing well in life and look at where like maybe I was kind. Uh, look at maybe where I went against my my nature to do something selfish mm-hmm. or, um, you know, it's not just like flogging myself in the back. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so there's like a there's like directions of like if I, you know, I'm at work and maybe I yell at my mechanic, Micah, I go, OK, so when this happens, I, I pause. I pause. Right. Take a breath. I'm obviously out of control of my emotions. Yeah. So I pause. That principle alone is super powerful. Stopping, taking a breath, not saying the thing that you want to say. You know, maybe maybe leaving the room or something. Um, asking God to remove it. Uh, call somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, tell them about it. Make amends if you need to make an amends. Mm-hmm. So come back in and be like, dude, look, you didn't deserve to get yelled at. Yeah, that's that's like that's not the way I want to be, and you and, and you you know, I, I apologize for that. You don't you know what I mean? Make cool. amends, yep. and then so it's like a kind of it's it's the whole it's kind of like the the steps in one step. Yeah, uh, and then turn your attention to somebody you can help. And so that's boom. That's ten. Okay. So it's always like it always we're always trying to incorporate service in some way. You know. Cool. To, her, to help somebody else that helps me get outside of my my mind of myself and then to bring it back to what we talked about earlier it helps you break down the illusion of separateness exactly yeah beautiful yeah um and then step 11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with god cool yeah so I like that it's uh developing a a, a, a nightly practice uh developing a, a morning practice um prayer and meditation you know you get a lot of people who are down with the prayer but not the meditation or Mm. down with the meditation but not down with the prayer it's both Mm. you know and for me like i like to think of because prayer for me is like it doesn't i don't have to think that i'm talking to something even right but whenever like i word it out like i think it out in my mind Mm -hmm. there's something that happens there so it's also like the whole writing down stuff you know yeah 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 it's like a uh, feedback, personal feedback yeah, loop. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that there's something to that, um, to prayer, you know, active like mouthing and saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then meditation is just amazing uh, mm-hmm. because it creates, it makes me incredibly good at pausing. <laughs> yeah. Or it makes pausing a lot easier. <laughs> and for those who have heard the word meditation but don't exactly know what it is, give me a super short definition of meditation. Just uh, trying to focus on my breath, trying to focus on sounds, breathing. Uh, it's just a, it's something that brings me, is able to bring me to the present moment. Cool. I like that. Yeah. And kind of override my monkey mind. All right. And my emotions. And then step 12 is uh, having had a spiritual awakening. We tried to carry this message to other alcoholics. So it's all about turning around and giving it back. And nice. that's it. And it's a loop. Yeah. Are you someone sponsor right now? Yes. All right. How many people can you sponsor at once? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know that there's a rule. Yeah. <laughs> there's a um, more about personal capacity. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I also think that for me with that, I think it's like I've never had to say no to somebody who asked me. There's a there's a natural capacity that happens. It's you know, sometimes I'm working with a lot of guys. Sometimes I'm working with a few. And and what's unfortunate about the whole situation is that most people don't stay sober mm. uh, because not everybody's to the point of desperation where they're willing to, to walk through that window yeah. uh, before it closes. Yeah. So now let's say someone's listening to this and they feel like they're at that point and they want to, you know, they heard the 12 steps and they, they like the structure and think they might help them. How do they get involved? Where do they go? Um, well, I'll tell you what, if you are in this city, which is a new Orleans, there's, there's a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. There's a lot of alcohol in the city. <laughs> there's also exactly so it's like it's like uh, with where there's a yin, there's a yang. You know For what sure, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so wait, but how do you find them? Like I, I I walk around, I see bars, I don't see it because it's anonymous. It is anonymous. Uh, so I mean, you go to the website. It's uh, aa.org. Google AA priest, you know. Okay, cool. Use a, use a search engine. Nice. Okay. Or cool. there's NA. There's also the there's CA Cocaine Anonymous. There's a lot of anonymous programs. Yeah. Uh, and so you can find, find the them that, online. The, yeah. They 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 always have a list of meetings in your area online. The time, uh, the place. They they're typically held at churches. Yeah. Uh, and nowadays they do them on Zoom, right? Especially during the COVID thing. Yeah. They also have a lot of meetings on Zoom. Uh, and so there, they have some meetings that meet in person and also zoom the in person meeting. Um, so yeah, it's not hard to find if you want to find it. And there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. And, um, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really want, I really need to change. Uh, if you're there, you know, I was there. Um, I really didn't think that I was ever going to like turn my life around. Um, and this process has changed the way I see the world, the way I see myself, and uh, has really just completely shifted the trajectory of my life. And, uh, you know, I believe that this process can do that for anybody if they're willing to go through it. No, I mean, the way, yeah, the way you described it and broke it down, it seems like, I don't know how long it took them to develop this thing, but it sounds very thorough and it's like, it works. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's for another podcast. I, I I could go into like some of the history of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have you back on. I mean, I really was, I, I wanted to ask you about bikes and, and, you know, uh. and, and, uh, and some of the, um, some of the other tools, like, are there any other tools that were unique to you that you 
developed on your own to kind of help you in your healing journey. I think we talked about the podcast, you know, yeah, like the, definitely that's a thing, you know, how did bikes come into your life? Was this before recovery? Or? No, this was post recovery. So when I, you know, when I got sober, uh, I went into treatment, one of my cars got repoed cause I was using it as like collateral for a payday loan, you know, and that I never paid back. <laughs> And I, I had two vehicles, not I, not because I was balling, because you know, just it was a it was a happy accident. Yeah. Uh, and then my other truck went kaput on me as soon as I got out of treatment. So, so I had no no means of getting around. So I started biking. Okay. Uh, kind of fell in love with it, and um, it, I, the rides were really therapeutic. And then at some point, you know, I'd worked at this thrift shop for a while. And I, I would see people like restore older things mm -hmm. um, and they were making a living out of selling them. And I just thought that was so cool. And I was like, man, I would love to do that. So then whenever I quit this thrift shop, then I started thrifting, buying, scooping bikes. And I even started trying to like, like re refinish furniture too. Okay. And then just reselling them. And I, but I did, I did f start finding that like that kind of work of like sitting there and working with my hands, very meditative. Yeah. Um, and then like restoring something from like being like basically junk to 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 some of the bikes just turn out beautiful and i guess in a sense it could be kind of metaphoric for like I was like going to say life. is that not a metaphor for <laughs> yeah. what you did with yourself yeah you know to a degree so i've never actually put those two and two together maybe there's something to it i love doing it it's a, it it's i wouldn't call myself a bike guy Either. Dude, I came in your shop. You have a you have two hundred bikes in there. You're a bike guy. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, I'm not like I'm not like super passionate about bike issues or anything like that. I love working on them, and uh, I love working for myself. And the thing also that what happened is like, you know, again, so this I, I applied the the principles that I learned in AA to get to this point, right? Where it was like, okay, this is something that I want to do. I'll just start doing it. Cool. That easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll just start doing it and then see what happens. And then I start doing it. And then like this, this thing gets presented to me that can advance that uh, or propel me forward a little bit in this area. Yeah. So I go, I'll do it. Right. Yeah. And I just say, yes. And then like something comes along and it's like, hey, I can help you form an LLC. Sure. Let's do it. Boom. Form an LLC. And the thing, one thing at a time gets presented to me. I say yes to it yeah. and it slowly grows. Yeah. Um, I outgrow my shed. I outgrow my, 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 my warehouse space. Yeah. I move into a, um, into a, a storefront. Um, and it all was a process of like accepting what the universe presented to me. I mean, that sounds like what the 12 steps to is too, like saying yes to each step and, and being willing to kind of engage in it. Oh yeah, 100%. Not be scared, you know, take, you know, take the opportunity before that window closes. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. And realizing also that I don't do it alone either because I didn't get mm. sober alone. But like along the way, people were willing to help me. Yeah. You know? And, and I think it's a very important for me to realize that like, you know, not to get too... <laughs> too proud of myself in general and realize that like it's all cooper cooperative yeah you know? totally um, that's what life's about yeah so uh can can i shout out your bike shop uh no because that would kind of like uh break the an an anonymity. anonymity okay yeah cool well, i appreciate it i would love the the uh 
the promotion, but you know. Well, I tell people to go here anyways. Yeah. Just when they need a, when you need repairs done in New Orleans. Maybe I'll sponsor the podcast. Hey, okay. <laughs> well, that's been a great talk with Andy. Um, you really taught me a lot about the 12 steps. You know, I've heard about them. I have other friends that are going through them. Yeah. But, you know, you're breaking them down and uh, explaining them and kind of reflecting your personal experience on each one. Just help me understand not only where you're at, but where millions of people in the world are at how they can take themselves out of a bad situation and heal themselves. Yeah. So that's really cool, man. Yeah. Should I not shout out your podcast then? Well, no, because the podcast, I don't have like my actual name attached to it. Okay, cool. I've thought about that, you know? All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so check it out. It's, it's recovery friends. Yeah. Uh, with Andy. Yeah. There's about maybe 40 episodes. Uh, I do intend on making more and releasing more. It's been a long time since I've released some, but I do intend to start releasing some more. Uh, I love doing it, so I shouldn't stop. So, Awesome. Well, thanks for being on Radical Health, my bro. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, bro. Thanks for asking me to do this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool.